0: Hello and welcome to Plot This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing A Duchess by Midnight by Sherris Michaels. This is published in
1: 2022 uh, and is the third in the Awakened by a Kiss series.
0: And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy to review.
1: Also full disclosure, I totally pre-ordered this book because I mean, the first two in the series
0: were amazing. We did review the first two in the series of the podcast. Yes. Um, They are fantastic. This was more fantastic? Somehow. I don't know how it happened. Don't even know how. Yeah. It's, this book is amazing. So again, the, the like shtick of this series is that it's a fairy tale retelling, but it focuses on a secondary character. Right. Like, like a th- forgotten character from the fairy tale. So the, the
1: first one was about the Huntsman and Snow White. Right. The second one was about Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. And this one is about one of the wicked stepsisters in Cinderella.
0: What I thought was hilarious is in Cinderella, the stepsister's name is uh, Drusilla. Mm -hmm. But here it's Drusamina. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why, but those like little changes, I
1: find very charming. Yes. And also to be specific, when we're talking about the retelling of a fairy tale, these are specifically the retellings of the Disney version of the fairy tale. Yes. So uh, not that that's, I don't think it detracts if you're not familiar with it, but I think it does add a little bit if you are.
0: Right. And it's obviously not literal to the text because these are focused on characters that didn't get a ton of time Mm -hmm. in the Disney version. Um, But it's definitely not the dirty, scary, grim version of the fairy tales. No, absolutely (laughs) not. All right, let's read the book jacket of this one.
1: Okay. A former ugly duckling. Miss Mina Drew Trelane is a former awkward child and one-time wicked stepsister. Raised by a bitter, overbearing mother, Drew is all grown up and has made peace with her orange hair and beanpole height. Her transformation has inspired her dream of opening a finishing school that emphasizes inner beauty, capability, and confidence. But launching a school costs money, so Drew must begin with private
0: clients who pay well and don't ask many questions. A Reclusive Duke Ian Clayblack, the Duke of Lachlan, lives alone on his dorset estate, forced by scandal into a smuggler's life. When his estranged sister arrives with her two daughters, he feels obligated to give the girls a proper season. Venturing back into society could clear his name and provide his vagabond nieces with a better life. Who better to help than the striking Miss Trelane? A midnight kiss. Affording Drew's services isn't a problem for
1: Lachlan, but his growing desire for her is. As his niece is warm to her gentle charm, he is overwhelmed by her unique beauty and open manner.
0: When they're caught in a scandalous embrace... Nothing short of marriage will save all of them from further scandal. Can a marriage made in haste be love's saving grace? <laughs> I, I
1: love that ending right there. It's like so fairy tale. It's it, so
0: perfect. It, it makes up for all the inaccuracies in the jacket.
1: There it's not quite accurate.
0: It is not a smuggler. Nope. No, he's not a smuggler. I think that's the biggest inaccuracy. Yeah, it's like he's explicitly (laughs) anti-smuggling. All the rest of it is... Well, he's also... The jacket sort of implies that he's hired Drew to help him restore his reputation. Yeah. And that's not it at all. No. He just wants help launching the girls, which wasn't even his plan. Right. Yes. So there's... Spiritually, the ending is so chef's kiss. But I would not use this jacket as, like, what's the word? Um, like a table of contents for the book. <laughs> no, no, I I definitely would not. So, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50, and then used that number as a word count to write our own summaries. And this episode, that random number is 47. Uh, so I'll start... Ian had absolutely no plan for repairing his own estate and reputation, let alone helping his recently escaped from a cult family. Good thing Cinderella's formerly wicked stepsister is everything Ian didn't know he needed. While everyone's scandalous past may seem like the biggest challenge, in fact, it's the undeniable lust.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's so true. This is
0: such a good book.
1: I loved it. I loved this book so freaking much. Like, I can't tell you how much I love this book. It's
0: just such a smart fairy tale retelling. Yes, yes. Oh, God. So what was your summary?
1: All right. Drew has managed to overcome a toxic family and her own history of toxic behavior to become a functioning adult. Ian is dealing with his own fraught past while also trying to care for some recently rediscovered family members. They're so good together,
0: especially when they're bird-watching. Which is a euphemism. I mean, it is isn't. it isn't. <laughs> that was probably my biggest complaint about the book. As Meg knows, I have a crippling fear of birds. <laughs> <laughs> so getting into this, like, the bird-watching as a sacred and sexual space for me was like, I don't understand why anyone would enjoy this. Until the sex started. And then I was like, I get it.
1: Yes, but I also really liked... It was not like an overt reference to the fairy tale, but there is just enough of like the, the the birds aren't coming to me. Right. Right. They're not, they haven't chosen me, but I'm choosing them. Yes. I really liked that. And there's a very
0: cute twist with the shoe. It I loved how much this exchange of goods randomly, like the part it's played in the earlier books. Yes. It's more of an afterthought in this one. I agree. But I thought it was a cute way to get the shoe reference in. Yes.
1: I agree. Uh, So what are the tropes of this novel besides the fairy tale retelling?
0: So I think the biggest one is, as spoiled by the book jacket, compromised and forced to wed. Correct. So they get caught making out and they immediately announce that they are getting married. (laughs) It was so...
1: Good. It was so good. I like, not just the being compromised part, but like
0: what led up to it and what led up to the leading up to it. It was flawless. And I think this book, I know we've said this before, but it really underscores that I love the, whether by choice or by circumstance, we are partners. Mm -hmm. And then we must navigate our relationship after already being committed to each other. Yes. Because it gives a lot more excuse for sex. Mm -hmm. But also because at the very least they're a team in something right so if nothing else at least that allies them in some way yeah they can't be just at odds yeah and everything about it works so well for me here so good
1: uh yes so she's a spinster who wants to help debutantes
0: And we've seen this a couple of times. There's the book about the spinster trio of sisters. One's a widow and the two others are spinsters and they start like a party planning Uh finishing thing. Yes. Um, Clearly there's a, maybe not helping debutantes, but we've read a couple of like starting travel agencies to help women. Like basically people who don't find love themselves, but do find fulfillment And in doing so, want to help others achieve the same thing. Yeah. She fits that mold. The thing we love about romance novels is obviously all of them find their true love after finding themselves. Of course. Of course. Says the single one. (laughs) It'll happen. (laughs) Maybe. If you wanted to. (laughs) Uh, So, there are a lot of mommy and daddy issues. Oh my god, there are so many mommy and daddy issues. So, his parents were... An ill-fated aristocratic match who were profoundly unhappy. His mom didn't even stick around. Mm -hmm. And his dad, as he says, could only tell him and his sister apart because one was a boy and one was a girl. Right. Even though they were 10 years apart. And like, yeah. Her mother is the wicked stepmother. And man, the one scene she had on the page. Like, I actually wondered how Sherris was going to pull this off. Because there was a lot of buildup. up to like the person she was, but clearly she needed to also be a baroness. Mm -hmm. Right. A baroness. I think. Yeah. Oh my God. That scene was awful to read in the most perfect way. It was, it was incredible. Wasn't it? It was just, she was so catty in a way that would be delicious. Yes. If anyone deserved it. Yes. And
1: I mean, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, I have a lot to say about that scene, actually.
0: So the, there's kind of a cute kids trope. The kids are like sixteen going on seventeen, yes. which makes it a little bit tough. It's they're it's, not children.
1: It's hard to call it the cute kids trope, but there's, you know, the 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 guardian who has some wards, or you know, like this this has appeared in romance novels since forever. I mean, like Jane Eyre, there's a guardian ward thing. Uh, I think. It has a lot to do with why she's present in the household, how she deals with them. Almost
0: verges on Mary Poppins esque. Yes. Right? There were a couple of allusions to other fairy tales mm-hmm. in this that all worked really well for uh-huh. me. And I think you're right, the Mary Poppins y nature is part of it. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was so well done. Like, I. Kids
1: and adolescents who are supposed to. Add to the storyline can, as we've said before, be plot devices. And I felt like they were fully realized characters.
0: And I thought they were also really interesting characters because they'd been forced to grow up too fast in mm-hmm. many ways living in the cult, but they'd also been stunted yes. in some ways living in the cult. And I felt like their emotional reactions to that duality were very realistic. Yeah, And I think this is, gets into the other trope of you've sort of got opposite twins. Yes. In that one of them hardened herself to the world and became too mature but also cynical. Yeah. And the other is very shy and mm-hmm. very timid. And I thought both made sense. Yes. Um, so totally. uh, But I think, personally, I'm very glad the choice was made to make them 16, 17. Not just because then they could be Debbie and it's the excuse for Drew to be there. But also because I think reading about children going through the same thing would have been not interesting to me. Yeah. They just would have been sympathetic figures. Or, or victims. Or yeah. victims. That, yes. Obviously the twins here were sympathetic, but they weren't just defined by their trauma. Yeah. And I thought that choice was excellent. I actually was sort of reading this thinking about how a young adult romance could easily be written from... Imogen's perspective, specifically. absolutely. And the fact that I felt like she was that fully realized, Mm
1: -hmm. I I think is a huge
0: testament to Cherise Michael's skill.
1: Uh, And there is, so there's sort of a dual trope in that there's a shopping montage. There's also a shopping montage because the clothes define the woman. Yes. Right? So Drew is, is talking to these young women about how... To be your best self, you have to feel like your best self. And in her case, to feel like her best self, she wants to dress like her best self. Yes. And she's like, you don't have
0: to. Like, I'm not forcing you to do it, but let's go shopping. But I feel like there's also like a Penelope Featherington bit Uh in terms of part of coming into your own identity is dressing for yourself in that you are not a whim to fashion, a victim of fashion. Mm-hmm. You are not following someone else's whims. You are not pleasing your mother. You're learning what colors and cuts and styles look good on you and make you feel good. Yeah. And I think the way she presented that to the girls, like this easily in a lot of ways, like it's a finishing book. Yeah. Like she's finishing the girls. Could have put a lot of emphasis on vanity and women's value to men and somehow this book managed to make Drew both practical about the ways of society while also incredibly progressive in the values like in a modern way. Yeah. In the values she was imparting to these women and I was very impressed.
1: Well and it's it's just very complex complexly drawn as well because it's it hasn't been their mother choosing these clothes, right? Right. They've been wearing these like cult uniforms.
0: Or just old shit from or, their closets.
1: Or that, yes. So it's, you know, it, it, it is, it's it's not a you have to spend money to look good because looking good is going to get you a man. It's you need to feel comfortable in your own skin, and part of doing that is wearing things that you like.
0: And you don't want to draw attention to yourself because you don't fit in. Like, there there was a, an honesty there mm-hmm. about, like, you convey to people that the situation is important to you by dressing for success. Yeah. And so for people to take you seriously, you can't just show up in pajamas. Yeah. It's true. Essentially. Which I thought was honest. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was almost a value neutral. Yes. Right? It wasn't, yes. like, this is good,
1: this is bad. It's just this... This is the world that we live in and you can choose how to, how you interact with it,
0: but you need to know what choices you're making. Right. And you need to be aware that whichever choice you make will have consequences Correct. and you need to be prepared to face those. If you want to show up in your pajamas, this is going to be the result. Yeah. Do as you will. Exactly. Um, Last rope. They're the aunt. Well, I guess it's technically the twins mother. So it would be the aunt to our hero and heroine's future children. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is very baddie. Uh huh. To put it l- lightly. Uh, and there are moments where she comes out of the other world she lives in to be incredibly perceptive. Yep. And I don't know why, because I know Megan and I have talked so much about how we hate the villain who is just crazy and that's the excuse. But the eccentric aunt who is just crazy but also wise. And that's the excuse I fucking love. I mean, yes, I do think she had an excuse, though, which I think
1: was very subtle, but but well done, I thought.
0: There there was an excuse to a degree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The way she refused to engage with the world around her, there was an excuse, but it was also taken to an extreme. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So um,
1: let me repeat. I fucking love this book. I loved this book so much. 10 out of 10. No notes. Like seriously, I don't know. (laughs) We
0: could end this podcast right now. (laughs) It was good. It was really good. Really like this book. I was so interested Mm -hmm. in both the ways that the fairy tale would tie in and how this relationship would develop. This wasn't a man who refused to say, I love you. Mm -mm. This was a man who was so distracted and for whom this entire situation was thrust upon him. So, like, let's take a step back and do a brief summary. Yes. Drew was the is the reformed wicked step sister who's made the decision to start her finishing school. A la, the jacket. Lachlan is a disgraced duke who is disgraced not for personal scandal, but because he allowed Situations on his estate, conflicts between mill owners and weavers to basically come to a head in a way that's had repercussion through all of England, and he's shunned for it. Mm-hmm. His sister and nieces were taken in by a cult, fled the co- co- cult, showed up at his house, and the prince and princess, a.k.a. Cinderella and her prince charming, and the little bit you learn about their dynamic I thought was Awesome. Oh my god, I loved it. Like the more you found out about it, the more I was like, I love you. I love everything about this. Um, the prince and princess decide to meddle. They decide Lachlan, because of his wayward nieces, could use some help Mm -hmm. launching them into society, but they know that he won't be interested in a vacuum or see the value of it in a vacuum. So they sweeten the pot with the fact that if they if he takes on Drew. And allows her to reform the girls. The girls will be presented to the queen. And Lachlan will get an audience with the king to discuss the concerns of his tenants. And like this will- mill versus weaver dispute. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of Lachlan and Drew being pawns yeah. in Cinderella and Prince Charming's scheme. Yeah, And the scheme is not to bring the two of them together at first. But if it happens... They're very open to that possibility. Yeah, if it happens, uh, it happens. The scheme is to, like, sweeten the pot to benefit them both and, mm-hmm. like, get them both the... Yeah. Professional fix. They're friends. They're friends... Yes.
1: ...with the prince and princess, so, like... And they're just nice people, so, like, why not
0: help them out? Yes. So that's sort of the Deus ex machina that brings them together. hmm The fact that there is just an unshakable, instantaneous lust was so palpable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was here for it. Yeah. Oh, we have the they're both tall thing. Oh, yeah. If, if there's a tall man, she must either be a giant or very petite. She's a giant here. It's true. It's very true.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about something that I've, I have, I have tried to be neutral about it in the past. Some books do it well. Some books don't do it well. But I think it's a trend right now in romance in general, both historical and contemporary romance. Sure. Because it's in the general culture, right? Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about is the toxic family of origin and how usually the heroine interacts with them, draws boundaries, and self-actualizes as different from her family. Yes. That is a major part of this book. Because Drew's entire backstory, as one might guess from being a wicked stepsister, is that she had a wicked mother and another wicked sister, right? And what I loved about this book was, first, that Drew has already done the work of becoming a better person before this book begins. Yes. So we're not reading about a redemption or about someone working on themselves, learning to draw boundaries or you know anything like that. It's not through her relationship with uh, Lachlan that she changes her outlook or anything like that. She has already done the work. She has gone no contact with her mother, low contact with her sister, and repaired her relationship with Sind. Mm-hmm. And now her entire goal in life is basically to work with other teenagers to make sure that, that they don't fall into the traps that she did.
0: Yes. And I think what was interesting is what she had to learn here specifically about those boundaries is how to extend them to others Mm -hmm. because she'd never had to do that before. Obviously, sinned had her own relationship with her toxic mother and toxic sister, her trying to both inform and protect Lachlan and the girls that there are some people who are just not worth your fucking time was something she had to learn. Yeah. It wasn't the work on herself, it was right. the work on opening herself up in spite of her past. Yeah. And I thought that was really well done. And there was this moment. So this is what I was going to talk
1: about before in tropes, but then I was like I want to talk about it more, like a lot. There uh, the wicked stepmother, so Drew's mother does appear in the text. She does have basically one incredible scene. And it's after um, Drew and Lachlan are engaged. Married. It's after they're married, but it's the first introduction. Yes. And one of the things I loved about it is that Lachlan is like, how bad could she be? You should just meet her, right? Drew is like, no, I've made this decision. I have no contact with my mother. But I feel like this happens all the time. People are like, well, she's your mother. She's your only mother. You should meet with her. You should try to forgive her. You should try to repair your relationship. And Drew does, as so many people do, give in. And she's like, okay, fine. She can come over. We'll meet
0: her. No, Lachlan suggests she does, they don't let her in. Lachlan says we shouldn't be home to callers. Yeah. And Drew says, I know her. Yeah. If we shun her and we don't let her in the door... She will just report that we're off. That we're like awful. there will mm-hmm. be uncontrollable gossip and we won't even know what she's gonna say. I don't have The best too. way to handle her is to bring her in as a caller and then make it quick. Yeah. And at that point, Lachlan is like, okay, we'll do like I'm happy to honor yeah. your I'm not pushing you to do something yep. you're not comfortable with. Like that's what I, I want to defend Lachlan. He was not like disbelieving of her or pushing her to okay. do something she wasn't comfortable that's with. That's fair. But he is very like, how bad can this be? How bad can this Once be what she says, we're gonna let her in and this is how we're gonna do it. And he learns. (laughs) Yeah. Woof.
1: But what I, the other thing I loved is that he does learn. Yes. Like he doesn't, he is able to see through, to see what she's doing and see what's happening. And it's so redeeming. Yes. I think for Drew.
0: It is. But what I also, like she's also insecure. Yeah. She's also upset that he's witnessing this. And I feel like the fact that it wasn't an immediate cure. To their communication issues. I also really liked like, they're both this is still such a new relationship, and they 're both still getting to know each other on such a basic level that even though she really values and respects and is emboldened by how good he is at handling the situation it 's not the balm that solves their problems
1: mm-hmm. i I just really, really liked the way and i it's not a tr- it 's not a trope no, but I, yeah, I think it is a trend. I just really liked the way it was handled here. Because I've seen so much of it lately. Mm-hmm. Some of it good, some of it not so good. This is probably my favorite of all the books I've read where they approach this.
0: I agree. I, I think it's at no point is this dance and trauma. Like mm-hmm. the girls were in a cult, and both Lachlan and Drew had abusive upbringings. But the light-hearted fairy tale like setting makes all of it so
1: palatable let's talk about the cult because that was like another favorite part of mine I so full disclosure if you don't know me and Lane outside of the podcast you may not know that we're both kind of interested in like cults and fringe religious groups and you know things like that (laughs) <laughs> so this this was like marrying two things that I love. Romance novels that are really fun, and also cults and the weird shit they do. It was amazing.
0: Yes. So the choice that Sharus makes is that the nieces and their mother, Lachlan's sister, show up on Lachlan's porch one day basically without explanation. Yeah. And they very slowly, in large part thanks to Drew's patience reveal bits and pieces of what they've been through and it you actually never get the whole story no you don't get the
1: whole story ever which i think was an inspired choice i'm gonna be honest so
0: good but the little bits you do get and the way that those bits are revealed was so both like raw and upsetting in the sense Mm -hmm. that, but also in no way, shape or formed lessened the like fairy tale-y mood and vibes. Like, I think that's the hardest part for me is I've talked about getting whiplash a lot Mm -hmm. on this podcast, like books that are fantastic, but that want me to go from like heartstring moments to sexy moments with no break. And I'm like, my head's still on like the whippings and the beatings and like I'm not <laughs> and the child labor and the child labor I'm not I'm not there, and this book manages to like be very. It doesn't sugarcoat like Mm-mm. it wasn't like a cult of gumdrops or some shit like no. it's, it's a cult but without in any way losing the charm yeah. like it was never distractingly traumatic. No, I know that's like a terrible thing to say, but really it's what worked for me. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I
1: loved was um, the character of Imogen. So Imogen, it's Poor Ivy. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I liked. I, I, uh, I she was I second fiddle all. to Imogen. She, she definitely was, but I think that's also the point. Yes. Like they're the twins, right? So Ivy's like kind of the shy, demure one. She's not causing any trouble. She's a she takes after her mother very clearly. Yeah, and Imogen, she is like she's out to cause trouble. Yeah, like she's the she's the rebellious one. But, like, that's her raison d'etre, right? It's, like, I'm going to fuck some shit up, basically. You also see all the reasons it's a great thing. Yes, but that's what I'm saying. It's, like, you. it's very interesting because at the very beginning, Lachlan is, like, oh, my God, I just don't know what to do with Imogen. Like, she is my issue. Like, if it was just Ivy, it would be fine. But, like, I don't know what to do with Imogen. Like, I don't know what to do with this woman, yeah. you know. I I don't know what to do with her. I don't know how to raise her. I don't know what to do. And through the conversations with Drew, through her own actions, we see that like, yeah, she's causing trouble, but maybe there's a reason for that. And I'm not talking about like a psychological reason. I'm talking about like a practical reason that someone might be like, no, the best coping me- mechanism for my life is like, no, I'm not going to accept anything at face value and I'm going to fuck shit up. And I loved it. I loved her character. Yes. I loved the slow reveal. I loved the en- her ending reveal. Like, I loved it all. I loved her. I loved her relationship with, with Drew, with Ivy. The whole thing was just really, really good.
0: She very much, I forget what the... Word specifically is about like a child who has to be a parent, mm-hmm. not just to the siblings, but to their parent mm-hmm. figure as mm-hmm. well. There's a, there's a psychology term right, that's just slipping my brain right now, and it is very obvious from the beginning that Imogen speaks for the family. Yes, but the degree and the reason and the part her sexuality mm-hmm. plays in all of that is very subtle but very well executed. Yeah. I really I just thought it was great same loved it
1: like Lane said 10 out of 10 no notes <laughs> 10 out of 10 no notes oh. uh, anything else we want to talk about before we move on to content warnings
0: I think we have probably covered those too we're probably just going to roll right to sexiness I mean content warnings there's a cult and they were both abused children yeah that's it yeah yeah I mean it's Cinderella Cinderella was shit on yeah
1: <laughs> but she's, she's in a, this is post Cinderella. She's in a good place now.
0: Yeah. It's really about people like overcoming their traumatic shit, which is really inspiring.
1: Yeah. Right. It is like, oh my God, this book (laughs) is so good. So good. Um, okay. Sexiness. Um, this is the sexiest Cheris Michaels book I have ever read and it was amazing.
0: Yeah. It was confusing in a good way because, uh, emotionally very distracted and unsure of himself. Very sure. He's very in to drew Mm -hmm. and specifically his inability to keep her, his hands off of her, even when it is to their detriment, Mm -hmm. not just in their drawing room when they get caught and forced to wed. But I mean like everywhere they have sex subsequently everywhere, everywhere. You just want to be like, sir, sir, you are not like, this is extremely sexy, but I am concerned that somehow like this is a coping mechanism for you. Yeah. It was excellent. It was both (laughs) extremely hot and, like, a real insight into his character. Yes! It was so good. (laughs) It was so good. And, Drew, my favorite moment. So, like, Drew and Ian hook up in an inappropriate place. In several inappropriate places. I'm talking about one specific time. And then someone comments to Drew after the fact, I love what you did with your hair. (laughs) It's just (laughs) like... I got fucked in a closet. Is that what you mean by doing with my hair? Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was such a joy. We, this book was such a joy. We've
1: said it before. We will say it again, but points for location. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I also like, i complain a lot about the way virginity is portrayed and innocence is portrayed and like the fetishization of ignorance in a woman. And even the way that Ian thought about her virginity and her otherwise innocence, I thought was really fun. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't thinking like, oh God, I'm so excited to be the first man who can conquest this. He was right. like, ah shit, I'm trying to like push her up against a wall and she's not instinctively putting her legs around my waist. Yeah. And like by the end of the book, when they're fucking against the wall, her legs are around his waist. It was just like the way that... I'm <laughs> curious. Character development, guys. It was It was like... <laughs> It was, a, talk about using sex to show growth. Yes. Like, seriously. It no, was seriously. excellently done without ever fetishizing her. Yes. And it was really sexy, too. Well, yeah, most importantly. If it was, if it did all those other things yeah. and wasn't sexy, we wouldn't be well, talking about it I the mean, same way. I mean, we've
1: talked about, so we've read, we've read this series by Cherise Michaels. Yeah. The others are on the schedule, and I'm sure we will get to them someday when we have time. The other, wait, the other, I thought this was
0: her, the most recent book in this series. Yes, but her first series.
1: Her first series is on our schedule and we will get there someday, but we have a very busy schedule. So, like we, we really want to read, like we love Cher's Michael. Yes. But, um, I will say the first two in the series felt very sexual tension
0: and not as much sexual relief. Yeah. And this book was, had it all. They were, again, I cannot tell you how much I love a wedding at 40%. Mm-hmm right i know i
1: totally agree with you like what's the best part of a marriage of convenience plot they get
0: married in chapter three (laughs) so they don't have to like resist yeah exactly exactly sometimes i want like sexual tension and sneaking around but other times i don't yeah about statement of the day but we got we got it we got it all in
1: this book though it's what i'm saying like we had the sexual tension and the sneaking around
0: i mean i just i want to state that for all that there is a lot of like people's lives in this are not perfect it is a fairy tale retelling it is the fluffiest read with depth like if you want pure escapism like laugh out loud moments with a lot of sex that's what this is yes which is not what I was necessarily expecting going in, but I was, like, floored. Yes. I was so happy the whole so, time I read this. Yes,
1: exactly. And it looks at toxic families and escaping cults.
0: I, could I have read a whole book about the cult? Yes. I mean, yeah. Would that have been a romance novel? Absolutely no. not.
1: <laughs> but I would have read it, though.
0: The fact that it was called Toe, <laughs> I couldn't even.
1: So funny.
0: It was so good. It was so good. I
1: highly recommend that you pick this book up. It can be read as a standalone, in my opinion. I agree. So... I, shocking. If I say it, you know it's true. Maybe, <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, the whole series is great, but if you haven't read the first two, don't feel like you have to read them before you jump into this one. This one is, like, incredible.
0: A prior character shows up, but you, ha- you need no context. No, Nope. You're good. So um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Check us
1: out around the internet
0: wherever you can find plot twists
1: and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe.